Welcome to episode 560 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Richard, we're back after another week off. But man, like I, I was talking to Jen last week, last Tuesday when uh, we were talking about our evening plans. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think we're going to podcast tonight. And she said, why? And I said, because I couldn't even fill a tweet with everything that's in the news. <laughs> like, yeah. There was nothing to talk about last week. Yeah. One story that will hit, but that's about it. But we did get some feedback this time. We did. Uh, this person, this was from Al. He used the contact form over at our website, thedigitalmediazone.com. But if you just want to open up your email app, you can send it to us at entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. So yeah, this is from Al, and he says, Guys, glad to see you back after a short break. On several occasions, you've mentioned how expensive YouTube TV is. This puts me in the awkward position of defending Google, a.k.a. the evil empire. <laughs> Sorry to have to do that to you, Al. He says, YouTube TV is significantly less expensive than competing local cable and less expensive than similar streaming TV services. Here's a breakdown of what I have available to me here in Indiana. Sling Blue and Orange at $53 a month. Hulu Plus Live TV, $65 a month. Xfinity Extra, $60 plus $7.50 to $15 for two TV sets because you got to rent those set top boxes. Direct TV is $65 plus $10 equipment for two TV sets. Or Metronet, that's got to be a super local thing, right? $89 plus $6 for a second TV set. Yeah, it's the local fiber service. He says with traditional cable, you're also charged a local franchise fee which can add another 10 bucks. I had YouTube TV for over a year before I cut the cord altogether. I like the ability to view my DVR anywhere and on any device, but I didn't use but a handful of channels being offered. I once asked a marketing manager why we charged a customer so much for a particular product. His answer was, because we can. I don't see why Google would charge less given the pricing umbrella they've been given by their competition. So we actually didn't mention how much YouTube TV is in, in this message. Right. It's $65 a month. Right. So yeah. it's the same price as Hulu Plus Live TV. Which isn't and it was a the fair comparison, I don't think, because there's not as much like content from in terms of the kind of stuff you would expect to pay for on YouTube as there is on Hulu, is there? Unless is part of what they give you on YouTube t YouTube TV, like sudden streaming access to a whole bunch of stuff that we otherwise don't see on YouTube? Oh, like like the VOD library that Hulu has? Yeah. I I think it does have VOD, but I don't know that it's I mean, no one does VOD like Hulu, right? So it, it it's probably similar to any other like cable TV VOD service would be my guess, but I've only tried YouTube TV briefly. And that was probably just to watch. In fact, I think it was to watch 
like the national championship football game. Yeah. So I wasn't messing around with all of those other features. And I think it's important to note that I am 90% sure that YouTube TV raised its prices to $65 a month. And then Hulu plus live TV jumped up to $65 a month. <laughs> right. Yeah, if I, I remember, think Hulu was following Google's lead on that, that charge. Yeah. So, yeah, I think so. So, I mean, he, he, he throws out their Xfinity and direct TV. Yeah. I mean, depending on the deal and stuff that you can get from your local providers, you know, those prices can be all over the place. But when I look at YouTube TV, it, it is still more, well, and for a while, it was more than all of the other providers. I think we've, we've said that Fubo is now 60. It might be 65 also. But Hulu or YouTube did it first. Like they're all $65 a month now because YouTube is $65 a month. Why? Because they can. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess my issue with this is that I feel like this is in long run bait and switch. And I know we've talked about licensing and how it's just starting to catch up with these streaming providers. And that's a good part of the reason for these price increases. But when this stuff started, it was down at like $30, right. And that's why a lot of people bailed on cable at the on like at, at the start of this. And as a result, now you have people that are paying twice as much as they originally expected to when this started. And that's the same crap that cable companies pull. Right. Right. Well, and I think I think what I probably don't point out enough is that while I, I do think that YouTube TV is expensive, you are getting good things for your money, and in some cases, more things than what your local cable provider might be offering. Like the fact that you can watch on any device is great. The fact that you can watch from basically anywhere is great. If you're on vacation, you can still use YouTube TV. Yep. The fact that there's no contracts is great. Like there's all sorts of good things to YouTube TV. It's just not cheap like it used to be. And and I, you know, it's still not cheap compared to Sling, but the experience is a lot better. Yeah. I haven't experienced it. I've only experienced Sling and I wasn't happy. So <laughs> right. Maybe when they have another one of those big special promotions to get your first couple months at a crazy discount or a full month three or something like that. I'll give it a try. Didn't they do that when you got your Chromecast? No, no. What I got was the music service. No, you got Netflix. You got a sweet deal on Netflix. Yeah, but I also got a free three month deal on the YouTube music service. Mm. And that, or whatever the thing is that gives you music and no ads, which was fine. I mean, the ads are getting annoying, particularly since they throw them in wherever the heck they want to now. But the fact that they integrated the music was just completely uninteresting to me. I'm, I'm old. I don't go to YouTube for music. <laughs> right. And I never quite figured out how that was any different than the regular YouTube 
experience where you go to music videos. So yeah, yeah, I'd I'd rather see the music video. Yeah. Okay. Well, sticking with streaming services for our first couple of stories, uh, CNN Plus new streaming service that has a plus in its name. <laughs> you know what that means? You're gonna pay for it. It sure does. Yeah. So it, it's CNN live. And on-demand content, so live news. I mean, that's the main thing that people are going to CNN for. I think. I think. I mean, I'm not. I'm not typically watching CNN, so I don't really know. But I, I think live news when I think CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. Um, but live and on-demand stuff. But they're saying separate and distinct from the existing TV channel. So it's probably not just going to be. You know, the exact same thing that you would see if you had CNN on cable and you turn them both on at the same time. Right. And I think that's fine. Not only is it not going to be the exact same thing, it is not going to include at all what you get when you watch CNN on TV. It is not going to include the basic CNN channels. These live channels will be completely new. Right. This seems so much like what NBC is doing with Peacock, where Peacock has, well, actually, does Peacock have live news? I'm not even sure if they have live news. They probably do. But they also have a bunch of supplemental content. So like uh, Chuck Todd, I wrote Chris Matthews, but it's Chuck Todd is the host of, of Meet the Press. And he's got extra shows on on Peacock that basically supplement meet the press and things like that Mm -hmm. i expect this to be really similar to that right except it's from cnn instead of nbc very likely i don't know if they're going to do the same sort of thing like peacock has actually set up what appears to be a whole collection of linear content Mm -hmm. that you can put on these live you, you select from these live channels of stuff and it it seems like there are maybe 20 of them i don't think this is going to be that extensive no no because peacock is way more than just news right right but also so is cnn the other thing that you didn't mention with cnn is that cnn originals includes a huge collection of content anthony bourdain who is big enough of an attraction that there's a documentary about him in theaters now and they've created a number of motion like full motion pictures, documentaries that have ended up in theaters and on Blu-ray, like the Apollo 11 uh, documentary they did with the found footage and uh, just that sort of stuff. They also have multiple, multiple series that are documentary style. So this is going to provide access to that catalog of stuff, which is good. This is not interesting to me because I'm a cable, yes, I know, subscriber now. So I get access to all of the kind of locked content or catalog content through the CNN app when I log in with my Verizon account. So to me, I wouldn't need this. But if you're a cord cutter, I can see how this would be interesting. But I think it's foolish not to include the live stream of their main channels like CNN, CNN International, and maybe. Even HLN, it, it just they probably can't due to contractual obligations with the cable providers. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Um, the other thing is, man, I hope that 
they work on the app experience on Apple TV, because what I heard is that this is going to be built into the existing CNN apps, that they're not going to create a separate app for this. It'll be an add-on where you log into this in the CNN app. And the CNN app for Apple TV is miserable. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Hmm. Yeah, hopefully they'll be working on that. They've got time because this isn't going to be available until Q1 of 2022. And like you said, like at the top of the story, CNN Plus typically means that that plus means dollar signs. They're saying that at launch, there will not be an ad supported tier. So this will cost you some some extra money. If you're a cord cutter and you're thinking, oh, it would finally be nice to have live news from a streaming service. But you're also not looking forward to paying $5 a month or more for whatever CNN is going to cost. CBS News. That's exactly like, what I was going to say. It's a really good service and yeah. it's free. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on your, your, you know, the, the, where you like to go for news. You know, they're obviously diehards of, of particular news services out there. CBS seems pretty decent to me. So, and it's free. Yep. All right. Let's move on to ESPN Plus. This is a, a fast story, kind of a downer. For the second time in a year, ESPN Plus, the cost of it is going up, not by a ton, as we would typically expect with a fairly low cost offering like this. It's going up starting August 13th. If you're paying month to month, it's going from $5.99 to $6.99 a month. If you're paying yearly, it's going from $59.99 to $69.99. But if you're using the Disney bundle, which gets you Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu, that price remains the same at $13.99 a month. I don't know that there's much else to say about this. Like these streaming services, the cost goes up occasionally. It stinks that it's twice within one year, but I don't know. It's still pretty cheap. And ESPN Plus is a pretty nice service. And that bundle not going up, I think is a big deal. That makes that bundle even more valuable than it already is. We already talked about how you're basically getting one service for free with that, yeah. the way that it's priced. And now it's an even bigger bargain. Yeah, that's a really great way of looking at that. All right, one more streaming service story for you. There was Fandango now, and there was Voodoo. And now they're becoming one with a really, really creative name. Voodoo Fandango. What a stupid name. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. I'm not excited about this. I'm not excited about this at all. I I guess that Fandango brand was believed valuable enough by some marketing executives that they decided they had to keep it. But I just don't get that because I can't imagine that the numbers on Bandango now was anything like the numbers on Voodoo. Yeah, probably not. Uh, but I think for most normal people, they're, if you say Fandango, they probably know you're talking about movies. They've probably heard of Fandango in relation to movies. Yeah, but they probably but I think, think a lot of buying normal movie people tickets. Have, Never heard of Voodoo. Um, hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I get the feeling that the only people who actually use Voodoo 
are the people who are doing digital copies from the disc that they're purchasing. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure that's not actually true. I think that's how they got a lot of their initial customers because you'd bring home your Blu-ray, you'd put in the code, it would show up in your Voodoo library. But you can also use them to get really high quality uh, streaming video. They they do offer Dolby Atmos. They do offer Dolby Vision. That's not the case everywhere. You know, so in terms of the actual video and audio quality, they were usually like number one for a long time. Yeah. Most of the other services have caught up by now. Most, not all. Um, but that that's where they, they really were excelling before. So it to me it felt like it was just the people who were, you know, ripping their, their movies or maybe maybe not always ripping, but like it it's the people who listen to this show who know about yeah. voodoo. I don't think my in-laws know about voodoo. Fair enough. Yeah, that's possible. Particularly now since, you know, if you were to go and buy a Roku stick, for example, there it already has its own movie service. And so you're not necessarily out there looking for, okay, what service can I go to to rent all the movies? Well, it's just built in now. And so is so it is in Amazon and Apple. So this maybe does become less relevant, but I always think of Voodoo as the company that kind of made ultraviolet palatable, right? Like they they almost single handedly not saved because it ultimately died, but <laughs> right. uh, you know, single handedly they really carried the torch for ultraviolet for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Well, now we get a, a dumb name, so Voodoo <laughs> Fanago. <laughs> Okay, so now moving on to your digital streaming operating system, Android TV is getting some more Google TV features. This, unsurprisingly from something that comes from Google, continues to just get more and more confusing, right? We had Android TV for years and years and years, and then last year, Google made everything confusing by releasing the Chromecast with Google TV, which was a different experience from Android TV. But despite all of this being confusing, they're taking the good things from Google TV and bringing them to Android TV. So that is good. It's just confusing. So the new things coming now, uh, because about a month ago, they started rolling out things like the Discovery tab and some of those types of features of of um Google TV and now they're bringing the watch list. I kind of didn't realize the watch list support wasn't there because discovery plus the watch list seemed so tied together that like discovery didn't seem to make nearly as much sense without the watch list. Uh the other thing that didn't really occur to me wasn't there until now is the the content preferences option where you can go into this it's sort of like an app and it'll say what kind of shows do you like and then it'll give you a list of some of those shows and movies and you say yep i like that yep i like that nope i don't like that and that helps drive the the discovery engine so that it will recommend shows that you might actually like so that's all there now that's that is good news. It does make discovery a more useful feature. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah. I, I what baffles me about this is the I'll say makeshift way that they're doing this. I don't really understand other than perhaps fear of the ire of Android TV consumers who are already unhappy about this, why they just didn't make Android TV Google TV, period, across the board. Android TV now gets the Google TV experience. Why is this so, like, I, I don't, I don't, a la carte, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it either. The, it, because it, it's not like Android TV boxes don't get software updates or we wouldn't be seeing these features slowly trickle over right. to Android TV boxes. So right. the only thing that really comes to mind for me is some of the specialty boxes, of which I can only think of one, and that's the NVIDIA Shield, where okay. NVIDIA had other stuff in there for NVIDIA game streaming and, and things like that. But I think they're basically just apps. Right. You just make it an app. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I I do not get this. I don't understand this approach at all. It makes no sense to me. I think they're just drawing out the pain. It's like when you had nasty taking nasty tasting medicine and your parents watered it down to make it go down easier. No, it just makes it take longer. Just <laughs> get it over with. Just pull off the band-aid fast and make it happen. How many metaphors can we mix? <laughs> I don't know. You're you're making yeah. this all sound pretty gross. Uh, yeah, it's frustrating to me. I'm glad I don't have an Android TV device because I would not like the way this is going. And I really like the Google TV experience. Yeah. It's been fine, I guess. <laughs> of course, I don't use it that, that often. And the kids use it all the time, but pretty much just for YouTube and Netflix. So <laughs> I don't know. Okay, uh, another story here from a service provider, Verizon Fios TV. Remember them? They're still around, even if they essentially stopped rolling out their service. I uh, have them. To new providers. Right, you do. Uh, you also have an Apple TV. I think you probably have multiple Apple TVs, don't you? I do. Yeah, see? So if you have multiple set-top boxes from Fios, you don't need all of them anymore because Fios TV is launching their Fios TV app on Apple TV and Amazon Fire TV. And if you throw that app on one of those streaming boxes, it gives you the same experience that you would get with a Verizon Fios set-top box, except you don't have to pay for it. The app is free, uh, whereas th those set-top boxes, you typically have to pay a monthly lease on them. Yeah, this is smart. I think this is really smart. I think companies are finally starting to realize that one of the reasons they're losing customers is because customers are having to pay 6 to $12 per TV in their home for a box that does absolutely nothing that they couldn't get from their streaming device. And in fact, oftentimes does it more poorly because they're usually old hardware. And right. so they were just milking the old hardware to get as much money as they could out of it. And they let them live too long. And it's just a terrible experience overall. Their customer support teams don't like to have to maintain them. So I think this is a smart idea. I worry because Verizon builds terrible apps. 
And I just worry that the experience, you say the experience is going to be the same as what you would have on your set-top box. I hope that is true because their mobile apps for stuff are just usually clumsy and oftentimes ignored after Mm. they're initially launched. Then you might be in trouble because I might be wrong about it being <laughs> the same experience as the set that box. It it is basically, the, I mean, the, this article kind of described it as the mobile app. So if it's the mobile app on your TV, maybe you're going to hate this. Yeah, well, I won't have to worry about it because I have TiVos that perform this function for me. Mm. Well, there you go. All right. Well, one last video story. <laughs> And this is just a follow-up on a product that we've talked about before. This was my favorite product one year at CES. LG's rollable OLED TV is now finally, what is it, two and a half, three and a half years after it was initially launched at CES? 2019, I think. I think it was 2019. I think. Not sure. Because I thought they had a prototype even before that. But anyway, $100,000. This- we, we had to have guessed the, the price for this at some point. I don't oh, think sure. either of us guessed this much. No, I might have guessed, I don't know, 40 or 20 or something like 100 this is a 65 inch oled tv as cnet puts it it's 50 times the (laughs) average price of an oled tv today which is just insane even if you are getting built-in atmos and a digital assistant come on just un unbelievable unbelievable yeah, apparently rollable OLEDs are harder than they made it sound. Apparently so. Also, mental note, let's make sure we set up an affiliate code for these on our website. <laughs> yeah, any percent of that sale price would be <laughs> greatly, greatly appreciated. <laughs> So if you're thinking of getting one of these, head to the DMZ first. <laughs> wow. Can you even buy this on it? You're not going to be able to buy this on Amazon. I doubt it. It's available on LG.com now. I don't know if you can buy it anywhere else. Right. Because they're going to sell like 20 of these, right? <laughs> like some Saudi prince is going to have a dozen of them in his palace and... Jeff Bezos might have put one in that spaceship he just took off in today. I don't know. Who knows? That's ridiculous. A hundred grand for a TV. No. (laughs) So let's move on to some gaming news. Let's do that. This is a story I still, despite the fact that it's almost a week old, I still haven't made up my mind about yet. So what is that news? It's the news that Valve the company behind games like Half-Life and uh, maybe most importantly behind the PC game marketplace Steam have announced their own handheld gaming PC. So think Nintendo Switch, but it's a PC. It's totally a PC. 
It is a 7-inch 720p touchscreen device that looks like a Nintendo Switch, except it has better controls. So it has dual analog thumbsticks. It's got the ABXY on the right side. It also has dual trackpads on each side so that you could just slide, you know, sort of like a mouse or or that sort of interface. It's big. Like, I, I know what you're thinking, like seven inch screen. That's like the same size as the Switch OLED. Yeah, but the controls add a lot of, of size to this thing. Mm. It looks enormous. Like if you actually see someone holding it, it kind of looks enormous. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It If it's comfortable, which it doesn't look like it would be to hold with where the, the sticks and the buttons are, IGN, they got to use it. They said it is comfortable. So I'm going to, I'm going to, Take them at their word. So what's the weight on this thing? Ooh, good question. I wrote down a lot of specs. I didn't write the weight down. Oh, okay. Well, I'll look for that while you're talking. Okay, yeah. It, but I also couldn't tell you what a switch weighs either or what a phone <laughs> weighs. Like, I, I I don't know those things. So you're, you're going to have to give me something to compare it to <laughs> when you look this up. So it does have a custom AMD Zen 2 APU. So... Uh, kind of think similar to like what Xbox and PlayStation have been using for their last couple of generations of video game consoles. They work directly with with AMD uh, to give them that hardware. It produces about 1.6 teraflops of video processing. For reference, the Xbox Series X, 12.1 teraflops. If you're building a gaming PC with like uh, an RTX 3080 card in it, it's probably even higher than that. This is 1.6. I think that's roughly the same. I didn't look it up, but I think that's roughly the same what the original Xbox One had, the, the one from 2013 that looked like a giant VCR, that one. So mm. this is not an incredibly powerful gaming PC, but... It does have some interesting aspects to it. For one, it's a PC. So if you want, you could slap it in the dock because it does have a dock similar to a Switch, although it doesn't come with it. You have to buy that separately. Or unlike Nintendo, you can just use any powered USB-C dock, which is a pretty awesome feature, I think. So if you've already got a USB-C dock for your iPad or your phone, you could use that with this, slap your Steam Deck into the dock, plug it into your monitor, your keyboard and your mouse, and you've got a gaming computer. I just think it's really important to remember, this is not a powerful gaming computer. 1.6 teraflops is not much, and it doesn't have to be on the, the mobile d- device because it's a 7-inch 720p screen. Right. You know, we're normally talking about uh, my my Xbox Series X has to have 12.1 teraflops because it's hooked up to a giant 4K TV, right? So it needs to be really powerful. On a 7-inch 720p screen, it doesn't need to be as powerful. So I don't, I don't think you should expect much when you plug it into a, a computer monitor and play with it, but... And and that's, well, let's get into the rest of the specs. So the other thing that matters here, of course, is storage. You're going to have three different storage options. 
64 gigs, 256, and 512 gigs. 64 gigs of storage, it it seems like a joke that they even offered this. Like 64 gigs is not enough for anything. Like so many games nowadays are enormous. Now, if you're just playing lots of like 2D side scrollers and stuff, it'd be fine. But the other major problem with the 64 gig version is it's eMMC storage. eMMC storage is ridiculously slow. You don't want that in any, you don't want that in a tablet that you're just using for like general use, like yeah. let, let alone your gaming PC. Forget that. So that that's the cheapest option, of course, though. So that's $399, which is a really competitive price for what I think this is. But, yeah, but it's fake. It's it's a fake, it fake. price. You're that's right. what's so annoying about this. This is the same crap that Microsoft pulled with that Surface Go where the entry model was useless. Right. This is useless, but they can claim that you can get it for under $400. Yeah. Yeah. That you can buy it for less than an, an Xbox or a PlayStation 5. Right. For significantly less. Right. But you don't want it. No one wants the, the $400 Steam Deck. You, you, you should not buy that. Uh, the 256 gig version uses NVMe storage. It's a whole lot faster. That's $530, or you can double the storage, and it's apparently even faster for $649. So, and they offer micro SD add on for all of these. You're not running games from a, from a micro SD card. That's not going to go well for you. Like, don't like if you're thinking, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to get the 64 gig version and run games from a micro from a 256 gig SSD. Or sorry, micro SD, forget about it. That's not going to go well. Don't do that. Right. But can you store them on an SD card and then transfer load them? it? Sure. Yeah. You could. It's that store, that transfer is going to take a while though, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, but it does have USB C. So you could, I got one of these sitting right here. I've got a portable SSD USB-C drive. It is tiny. This is a 500 gig drive. You could carry this around and it's going to run a whole lot faster than micro SD or that built-in eMMC garbage. I don't know. Right. It's an option. By default, it runs SteamOS, which is built on Linux. Seven years ago when I was crapping on Valve and their Steam Machine initiative for for giving people gaming PCs built on Linux. That was, a, that was a problem back then. There weren't many games that supported Linux. There's a whole lot more games now that support Linux. There's still a lot of the big ones that don't. Like basically the vast majority of the big name games that have anti-cheat software in them don't run on Linux, but they're working on that. And maybe they will have that problem fixed by next year when this comes out, because this is supposed to come out Q2 of 2022. The other thing is because it's a PC, you can wipe out SteamOS, format it, and run Windows on it, which is a pretty interesting option because then it does work as your your PC for doing regular productivity stuff if you want, and if you've got Windows on there, you could use Xbox Game Pass and you've got access to that giant library of games. So 
Richard d- did did some searching for me while I was ranting. This thing weighs 1.5 pounds and because he's like the best co-host ever, he even got some comparisons in there for me. That is about twice the weight of a Nintendo Switch and heavier than an iPad Pro. That's so, pretty heavy. Fairly heavy. Yeah. So you might need to be lifting some weights between now and Q2 of 2022 <laughs> if you're planning to pull off some some marathon gaming sessions on, on your Steam Deck. Because that's going to get heavy in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You got any thoughts about this? I mean, I know you're not into gaming, but it is an interesting gaming PC concept. It is. It is. I I don't know. I don't quite understand who the market is for this. Like, are they thinking they are going to appeal to more sophisticated gamers than the Nintendo will because they can make better or more titles? available than what you could play on the Nintendo. That's the only real angle that I can think of. Like you're you're a PC gamer because you want to play well anything cuz the the library on Steam is many many times bigger than what's available on a Nintendo Switch. But you you want to have something portable and gaming laptops still cost a fortune. They're still pretty dang heavy. And like, you're you're not going to take a gaming laptop on the bus on your way to work or on the subway, right? Like, you're probably not right. going to pull out your three thousand dollar Alienware laptop to play Fortnite. That's probably a terrible example. The the Division, <laughs> uh, Destiny on on the train, right? Yeah, That's but kind of ludicrous. But I don't know that. I mean, this isn't exactly pocketable, you know. So. I don't know how easy it is to pull this. This is probably as big as, you know, some admittedly terrible airline tray tables. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Yeah, if you've ever flown Spirit Airlines, it's probably not the size of that tray table. Right. Right. Well, it's it's probably a little bit smaller than an iPad. Yeah. And uh, using an iPad in in landscape orientation or or any tablet uh, on a train or a bus is not unusual or or unwieldy. Yeah, I suppose. I think because of it, the width has me thrown off a little bit on this because you're gripping it on the sides. Your arms are are probably out a little bit differently than if you were like reading or playing on an iPad or something. I don't know. I just... This is cer- this certainly would not be appealing to me, but I am struggling a little bit trying to figure out the audience on this. But as you've been in the past, I've always been baffled about the idea of Steam hardware. It just, I don't know, didn't make sense to me. Well, and may- I think this does make a little more sense because you can't build this on your own. A gaming PC you can build. True. I I can't build something like this. True. True. So yep. I don't know. We'll see. Like we've got a year to find out how well this this takes off or more. Like depends on if they actually hit that date. But I really am not sure about this one. I, I would really love to hear from from the gamers in our audience what they're thinking about the Steam Deck. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would too. All right. Well, one more story in our kitchen sink, everything else category. And this is something that I can get excited about and I can take advantage of. And that is that the American Express Platinum discount for digital entertainment services is back. I talked about this about a year ago when American Express offered a rebate each month for digital services. And at the time, the library that they supported was huge. It was over 20 or 25 different services you could get a rebate on. That was a special offer that they only had for the year of 2020. They have now added a new feature of the American Express Platinum card, where as a paid member, and you pay a lot for this card, so don't think you're getting this for free. But as a paid member of American Express Platinum, now you get $20 a month off of specific digital services. And this is a, you know, for all intents and purposes, permanent feature now. This is not a special deal. You have to register for this, which is a little bit different. You have to go in and say, okay, I want to turn this capability on. But then you just go and you subscribe for these services. Now, currently, it's only available on four services, but four really interesting digital services. Peacock, Audible, SiriusXM, and the New York Times. So if you spend money on any of those services, each month, you'll get up to $20 back for what you've spent on those services. This just paid for my Olympics. <laughs> right? Like, I don't pay for Peacock. I have no interest in paying yet another network for their special content. But I will do it to watch the Olympics, and I get it for free now. But don't you get the Olympics on your Fios? Well, yeah, sure. When, you know, they want to give it to me and only at specific times. It's not like I'm assuming, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that Peacock is going to give you the ability to basically tune into whatever's going on in the Olympics while it's going on, in addition to whatever general network coverage they would normally have. Probably, but it's on the other side of the world. So how much do you care about the, the live aspect? Like This is the thing about the Olympics to me. Like, unless you are really into a particular sport, which most people aren't when it comes to the Olympics, that you're just tuning into whatever interesting sport they're showing as you're sitting down for dinner, right? Am I wrong yeah, there? Am I wrong about not, how people watch the Olympics? That's not how I watch the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, in the winter, I watch skiing and hockey. And in the summer, I usually watch swimming and diving. So, you know, I, I, I do carve out time to watch specific events. Maybe that's unique to me. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's that's similar to me. Like I, in the winter, pretty much only care about hockey, surprise. And in the summer, I pretty much only care about the the women's soccer tournament. That's I don't know. Track and field's not that interesting to me. <laughs> so, and I and right. I'm not into basketball. So, I, I am similar to you, but obviously, like, I've got a kid in gymnastics. 
we'll be watching gymnastics, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone will be like when you're when your country is dominant in a sport, you're probably going to watch that sport too. Um, right, but that's but, the kind of stuff that ends up on the network coverage. Yeah, right? exactly. So uh, I like to be able to to focus a little bit more. Anyway, we're getting off topic a little bit, but this is available if you are an Amex Platinum customer. I would definitely look into this because this is two hundred and forty bucks a year. You can get back on services, and you just go and sign up for them, and they'll credit you if that's where the charge is coming from. So content from Audible or a subscription from Audible, Sirius XM, if, like me, you cancel it after your free trial because you don't want to pay for the crappy-sounding audio that you could just get if you, you know, use your own streaming service. And the New York Times, I signed up for the New York Times again. I had canceled it before because it was getting expensive. But New York Times now has a $4 a week or month or something crazy like that special. So I signed up again. And oh, by the way, that's free because <laughs> right. of this. Yeah, that's that's a good reason to sign up. So anyway, something to look into. We're all about getting digital media for free. I like that. Yeah, yeah. We're also all about helping others get digital media for free. So if you've got some other friends who want some digital media for free, then maybe you could do them a favor and share this podcast with them. You'll help them. You'll help us. It's win-win for everybody. So wow, that was really good. Thanks. You did, that was that was really. I didn't see that coming. That was maybe right. like the best transition I've ever had for <laughs> trying to convince people to share a podcast. <laughs> All right. So Richard, tell me what's been going on in your entertainment center for the last couple of weeks. Not a ton. Not a ton. I did. I think last time we spoke, mentioned that I was looking forward to Big Brother. It's been fine. It's not enormously exciting yet. It's fine. I hope it gets a little bit better. But so I've been watching that. We've been continuing to watch more of Doctor Who. I have uh, watched a lot more of Hawaii Five O season nine. Decided to retry the Expanse. I don't know if you remember or not, but when everybody was talking about the Expanse, we watched the pilot. We watched it as two parts as two individual episodes because that's how it was packaged online and just didn't it just didn't resonate we couldn't stick with it so i decided i'll give it a try again and i'm i got to the third episode so that's a good progression we'll see if i get any further this time also decided to finally get back to watching some of the older marvel stuff from netflix that I never really followed up on their uh, follow-on seasons. So starting with Jessica Jones season two, I watched the premiere of that. Also, last night, for whatever reason, I have no idea why. I came home from my trip, great trip. I was uh, meeting up with some colleagues from work for the weekend. I got home and I had this weird hankering. I know what it was. We were talking about Miami Beach. I had this weird hankering to watch The Birdcage. This is like, what, a 25-year-old movie now. And I've seen it probably half a dozen times, but for whatever reason, wanted to watch this. And couldn't find it online anywhere without having to actually pay to rent it, which really surprised me. I expected that would be available somewhere as part of their catalog, but 
it was not. And so we ended up watching my DVD rip of oh it. Gosh. The DVD didn't kill us. In 480p? Didn't kill us. I mean, our TVs do upscale now, so it wasn't as bad as it could be. But yeah. Yeah. But it's still a fun movie. It's still a really fun movie and thoroughly enjoyed it. And then finally, I'm going to mention probably for both of us that friend of the show, Rob H., has been, I don't know, I'll call this mounting a peer pressure campaign to try and get Josh and I to watch, Josh and me, sorry, uh, to watch a show that he loves, She-Ra and the Princess of Power. He's like, all right, I will watch Ted Lasso. You should give this a try. He watched Ted Lasso. I never gave this a try, but I am agreeing to give this a try. So I am committing to watching a couple episodes of this to see if it catches me. Uh, This is an anime style show and it's in like a magical world environment. And already I'm having trouble with this, but I am going to give this a try. Josh, how about you? Well, Rob gave us like, this this message from Rob was was quite long. Like if Rob and and by the way, Rob H from the AV Rant podcast, we we've had him on the show before. If you're not familiar with him and you're really into home theater stuff, you should check out their podcast. Rob, if he was on the debate team in school, he was probably like the champion of his debate team. Like he probably oh, yeah. went to the national debate championship and oh, won, yeah. like plastered his opponents because he's really good at making an argument for something he hit every possible reason why you and i should be watching this show and yep. i th- i have to try it now <laughs> like i can't just be like oh i don't care you put all this work into to trying to convince me i don't care no i'm gonna try Th- there are a lot of good reasons for me to check this out I don't know that it's going to be a thing that really sticks in this house because oddly, the youngest person in my house doesn't like animated shows. Yeah, what's that about? I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, I know she watched <laughs> Frozen and stuff like that, but when new animated movies come out, she's she just doesn't get into them. She doesn't stick with them mm. to the point where, and I guess we can jump into to what's going on in my entertainment center. My wife. Uh, last Friday, like Friday night typically tends to be like, a, let's just chill as, as a family. Let's not go anywhere. Let's just chill out at home. So we either watch a movie or we play switch together. And, uh, my wife brilliant said, you know, Gia doesn't really like animated movies. She does like live action movies. You know what they've never seen? Honey, I shrunk the kids. Oh, smart. So we watched honey. I shrunk the kids. She liked it a lot. Everybody liked it. We watched the whole thing. Like normally Gia walks out in the middle of movies, especially when they're animated. She liked Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Good pick. Yeah. From 1989. Wow. Yeah. Now, now, if it's still there, I don't know if it is or not, but if it's still there, now you need to take her to go see Honey, I Shrunk the Audience at Disney World. (laughs) uh do they have it at disneyland paris probably i don't know we will be going there if we ever get to go to europe so uh and then the only other things for me were a little bit of call of duty a little bit of nhl 
attempted to play Wasteland 3 with Joe for the first time in over two months because uh, our, our lives have been a little crazy. But he was having all sorts of network issues that night, so we didn't get to play Wasteland together. So uh, not really a whole lot for me outside of, like I said, a little bit of NHL, a tiny bit of Call of Duty, and Funny I Shrunk the Kids, which I definitely didn't expect to to have on my list. <laughs> now, here's my question. Does that movie hold up? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Cool. I mean, the, the special effects aren't exactly the, the greatest, but they're also not... I didn't feel like they were super cheesy either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it holds up pretty well. There's... um, it, it was kind of weird to see a family movie that had a character who smoked in it. That was a little weird. Oh yeah, but I mean it's not a big deal. But it was—it's not something you see anymore, right? <laughs> but yeah, it definitely holds up. Definitely holds up. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news and what's going on in our entertainment centers. So if you would like to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter. Richard is at Richard Gunther. I'm at Josh Pollard, and the website is at DigiMediaZone. You can find us on all of the other social things. Uh, by just going over to our show notes, where you can also find all of the links to all of the stories that we talked about tonight. That's, of course, over at www.thedigitalmediazone.com. And from there, you can also go to our live page, where you can see uh, us streaming typically Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. All right, well, that is going to do it for episode 560. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.